Hello, everyone. Hope you are well and have had a great week. And boy, do I have a good episode for you today. I have finally managed to get the one and only Jack Wilson, the Deadly Ninja, uh, onto the podcast, which has taken me some time and some some uh, negotiation on my part. Uh, not that not that Jack didn't want to come on, or could, uh, just our schedules didn't align. Um, but finally, we were able to, and it's a great episode. I've known Jack for a few years now. We we met from uh, we met on season season one day one of Australian Ninja Warrior, and uh, you know we became good friends. We don't see each other all the time, but when we do see each other, it's always it's always uh, an epic uh, an epic catch up. And uh, I learned a lot of stuff uh, in this episode that I that I didn't know about Jack, and you know it, it just continues to impress me um, how he's able to deal with the things that that come his way, whether they're good or really, really bad. I think, you know, Jack really, uh, has really grown as a human, um, from, from where he's come from, uh, you know, as a kid and, and, and whatnot, and what he's been able to, to do, uh, with everything he's done, I think it's uh, fantastic. So this is a really great episode. You know, if you have any of your own struggles in life, I think, you know, it's, this would be a good, good episode to listen to just to, you know, it's basically like Ninja Warrior, but, <laughs> but real life. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think you'll, uh, you'll really like this episode. Uh, just letting you know, uh, podcast is doing really well. We've, we've reached nearly, uh, 2,800 downloads, which I'm really happy about. Um, it's been, it's been doing really well, uh, really well. Sorry. I can't speak properly. Uh, if you do listen and you, you enjoy the podcast, you, uh, and you want to help me out, what I'd really like you to do if you can is, Whatever platform you use, maybe Apple or Spotify or Google, I'm not too sure. If you could find a way to leave a review on whatever the, the platform is that you use, I would appreciate that. Um, I think I think it helps with podcast rankings. Um, so if you, you don't mind taking a minute or two to do that, I would, I would appreciate that. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, I also have a Patreon. There will be a link uh, if you, know, you feel like you need to. You don't have to, but I would appreciate that too. And if you are looking to get super strong, remember, use my discount code Kadeem10 at Aussie Grip. You can use uh, the code uh, to get a discount on anything in store and obviously get stronger. There'll be a link in the show notes. All right, enough talking from me. Let's get on with the show. Jack Wilson, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. It's been, uh, it's been a year in the making. I don't, think, I don't know how long I've been asking you to do this for. <laughs> <laughs> oh bro you know we're running on that murray time bros <laughs> it's always gonna happen but it's just a matter of when it's a matter uh, of when you know but i'm glad to be here with you brother so it's good to see what you're doing and you're connecting, connecting people all around the world sharing their stories so mate I'm, I'm in your corner with this one bro let's let's yarn and let's share bro i uh, appreciate it man appreciate it so jack where do we begin we met our story goes back day one of ninja Day one of Ninja Warrior, season one, episode one. That's where we first met. I remember you sitting, sitting in the back. You know, you're sitting, you were sitting down. weren't talking to many people. You know, we were chatting a little bit, and then you come out of nowhere and just destroy everything, destroy the course. <laughs> but take me back to your younger years. Take me back to when you were a kid. What kind of, what were you like as a child? Where did you grow yeah. up? What were you doing? Yeah, I mean, I remember that day too when, uh, when I was sitting in that room at at the Ninja Warrior in the green room. And, you know, I'm a quiet, 
quite a little achiever at times. And when people get to know me, I'm, you know, I like to express, express my character and, and be myself. So it takes a little bit, takes a bit to get get winded up. But when it's when it's winded up, there's no stopping. So and you're the same, Russ. You're the same. So we clicked. We clicked immediately. You know, another brother from a different mother. That's it. You know, from across the water there. But <laughs> Russ, I mean, as a young fella, you know, um, grew up in far north Queensland, in Cairns, Australia. Uh, I'm a youngest of three boys, youngest in the family. So I'm a mummy's boy. You know, um, I was a little shit as well. A little shit that used to cry and whine and just, you never, you never heard enough of it, you know. But, you know, I can thank the older brothers for that. They they built they built tough skin. They give me tough skin, them bastards. But excuse the language. <laughs> <laughs> but you know they um, they give it to me. They tormented me. They mocked me. They teased me. And I was just a bit too young for them in their league because I was about five years younger. I wanted to be like the older brothers. Yeah. But uh, you know, I'm very fortunate, man. I was a very fortunate upbringing. I had two two beautiful parents. You know, I had two older brothers. So her role models in my family. It's very family orientated. Um, it was like, you know, I had a roof over my head. Come to think of it now, you know, I was surrounded by beautiful people. So don't have really much to to um, to whinge about nowadays, but let alone, you know, the, the mocking and teasing. But I, when, when I sit back at an older age now, I think, wow, I had it, I had it great. I had it really great because I've, I've witnessed a lot of families out there in these years of traveling and working with, with children's and working with underprivileged youth. Yeah. There are a lot of broken homes out there. There are a lot of broken homes. So I've got nothing to worry about. And uh, I feel for the people out there that don't have family, you know, in their lives because mm. family is such a pinnacle of self awareness and belonging. Yeah. No, absolutely. Wow. So what were you, what were you like physically? So what were you doing? Um, were you playing sport? Were you playing? Uh, yeah. What were yeah, you yeah. I was playing all sorts of sport, bro. I was playing footy, brought up playing footy. I was brought up playing, playing like union. I was brought up playing uh, bull rush. I don't know if you heard of bull yeah, rush. Yeah, yeah, I know bull rush. The day. You know, you single out someone in the crowd and someone's in the middle and they call out your name or they call out bull rush. So we're always on our feet, always playing touch, touch footy, tackle footy in the park, always climbing trees. I'm a, I'm a country boy. So my family from out West and, you know, I've born up, brought up in the tropics in the rainforest. So I was always climbing trees, always running through the bush, being a, being a little maniac. And, you know, that's all, all through my ancestry as well. And generation, like we're just naturally, talented and our our instincts are living off the land so i've sort of got that blood in me as well and yeah bloody hell my dad played golf growing up he taught me how to play golf wow. um, he, used to, he taught me how to fish so hunting used to go out throwing the cast net throwing spears uh chasing chasing animals and whatnot so it's it's in my blood brother and any sport at school you name it i was track and field champion and everything like I was a running machine. That's, that's my forte. So I'm very talented at running. I can just run for days. So you could say I'm a bit of a middle distance runner. And that's something I used to compete at a high level at as well. And I used to, yeah, do it for my, do it for my region. So that's something that I'm, I'm really connected to is my running. Mm. Oh yeah. I remember. I remember. 
struggling. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> <your responsibility>? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, oh, you man, that, was, that was horrible. I think for my two lap, my two laps up and back. I think you guys did eight. <laughs> yeah, we done something something uh, substantial, and yeah, I remember you. Your your calves were burning. Oh man! Wow, you you got a little taste of that. Oh. That was so what running was just not in your in your game. No, it used to be. It used to be when I when I played rugby and soccer in high school. Obviously, yeah, I was running all the time, and then you'd be playing, uh, you know, touch rugby. Well, for me, it was twice a day, you know, recess, lunch, uh, and then rugby training, and then obviously playing as well. So I used to have a really good tank. It was crazy. I I, I would have done that, or at least uh, on normal ground, I would have done that easily in in high school but uh well i think what it was too day, might have been might have been a while between runs and it also it was on the sand i, I remember <laughs> mate that was horrible so sand running it it also activates all those stability muscles and it it activates muscles you haven't used in a long time so i for your first session back you you went to hell and back That's what <laughs> you know it was funny i remember we were running and i was kept up for about 50 meters and then slowly i noticed you you were about couple of centimeters ahead and a few meters <laughs> yeah yeah just into the distance into the oh, distance man. oh man that was that was that was a fun that was a fun little trip we'll, we'll get to all that but um so you were playing sports in school what were you what was your goals uh finishing school if you had any like what did you um what were you thinking about doing with yourself uh upon finishing school what was the plan at the time well, I, always, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I remember growing up, I always loved to watch uh, the Olympics and I loved to watch uh, cross-country running and I loved to watch long-distance running. So it was definitely in my brain that I wanted to be an athlete of some sort. Mm. But then I also loved football as well, NRL, so tackle footy. I also wanted to be a football player. But my brother and my father were the footy players. I went all right. I didn't go too bad, but... Uh, just didn't have that, didn't have that spark that they had. Mm-hmm. So after school, like I was a bit of a shithead at school, to be honest. I wasn't really uh, academic smart. I was more hands-on in PE, woodworks, steelworks, all that sort of stuff. And I left school at the age of 15. Uh, got thrown straight into the construction industry because that's where, that's all my family sort of knew. They were all miners. And that's basically the only option I had really without my own, my own wants or need. It was like, this is what you're doing. So that's what I'd done. Got straight into boiler making, which is steelworks. And that, that didn't really work out. And then I got into carpentry because I liked the outdoors. I liked the outdoors. And obviously with carpentry, you're out building houses and whatnot. And I didn't like being in the same area every day, like under a shed. So I got into that and just excelled at that. And I got my uh, trade certificate. So I'm a carpenter by trade. Took me four years, four and a half years. Wow. And then I worked in the industry for another two years after that. So a lot of my years outside, my teenage years and early adulthood, brother, I was um, pretty much heavily working, you know, early mornings, big shifts hard on the body but always training always training like that's all i knew you know that was my kryptonite but then i got introduced to uh alcohol and drugs at a young age too 
lot of recreational drugs and alcohol. So I got sucked down that little plug hole for a while. But mm. uh, I had like, that's, you know, today's modern day society, that's a, that's a given, you know, you see it and no one really bats an eye. So that's what I thought was normal. And that's unfair. That's unfair now thinking about it because it wasn't really educated on it. I didn't know anything about it. I just thought, you know, there's pubs and clubs and my uncles and aunties and brothers and family members are doing it. That must be what you do. Mm. And also understanding that you're not allowed to do it, but also that feeling of being, but I want to try it. Yeah. I want to try it, you know, and then you start doing it behind your parents' back. You start doing it with some friends and push comes a shove, brother, and you find yourself off your head having the time of your life because you've never felt what that feeling is like, but not knowing the repercussions and the outcome to, to your health. So was there a, like a particular low for you? Like, was there like a, just a point where you, you realized what am I doing or did you just gradually come out of it? it? Took a while. It took a while. That's for sure. Because when you're in it, you get addicted to it. Right. Mm. So you don't really understand. And then you sort of get more distance from your spirit more distant from your parents, family, distant from yourself. Mm. So you're detached from yourself, like your soul is detached from those poisons and those chemicals. So you're quite delusional too, you know? Mm. Something in that poison that really separates your spirit from, you know, your body. So you don't really understand what you're actually doing at the point in time because it's masking and it's it's fulfilling a void and it's probably escaping you from the reality that you're living. Um, and there was times when I remember, like, I was just really upset. I was really, like, fucking down. I was, didn't know where the sadness was coming from. You know, my mum and my dad were just sort of worried about me, like, what's going on? I'm just like, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. Like, all those emotions and feelings all start coming to the surface <clears throat> when we're getting back to reality to go back to work. And... Yeah, I think that's when it sort of hit me, you know, like, wow, this is this is real. This is some real stuff going on here. Mm. Don't know what it is, but I'm not feeling too great. Wow. And it, was that at that point you found the Indigenous Marathon Project? Yeah, 2013, brother. That's when I was 21. And that's when I was sort of in the thick of it. But, um, you know, an angel sent from above or being being guided by the spirits or ancestors, whatever you want to call it. Um, intuition. Um, I got an opportunity to yeah go to the new, go to New York and run the marathon over there for a ma- uh, Indigenous Marathon Foundation project. And my dad actually found the article in the mail one day, and he my dad was one of my biggest inspirations to always always inspire me and motivate me to be better or do better because he seen that I had something in me that lad. Mm. So he sort of like guided me towards that and was like, here, here's this thing. Do you want to try it? And then I, you know, my life flashed before my eyes and I was like, wow, this is, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity. I want to change as a person. I want to be better. I want to do better. I want to be the, the, I want to be the cycle changer. I want to change this cycle that I'm in and my generational cycle. So my kids don't have to go through this or any, you know, pre uh, or any future family members, I, I can, I can inspire or enlighten. Mm. So I was like, "This is it, bro. This is it. I'm doing it." Ah, hundred percent. And obviously, you had a good time. Went to New York, 
Mm. Um, wow. Yeah. What, what was that experience like for you? Yeah, New York, man. What a what a city, eh? Like you know all about New York, brother. You're from those neck of the woods, you know. It's a crazy city. It's a big city. It's a crazy city, and you know it's, a, it's the biggest marathon in the world. You know they got Times Square, the Empire State Building, bloody Manhattan, bloody you name it. It's it's all you see that stuff on billboards, movie <laughs> screens, and and I was going there. It felt like a dream, hey. Yeah. And also on top of that was the principle and the purpose why I was going was to, you know, raise awareness for health and well-being uh, in indigenous culture uh, to become a role model, to break that, break that status quo, you know, and that stigma around chronic illnesses, you know, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, all that stuff. Mm. A lot of our people are prone to that. So to be a part of a quest. So, you know, so strong and with such a big purpose and passion behind it. I was like, wow, this is me. So I just went all in brother. I just went all in and I wasn't too immersed in my culture as well. So that was also another discovery I wanted to make is discover my bloodline and understand what it's, what it means to be Aboriginal. Mm. What, the, what the meaning of that is, you know, the, the 60,000 year old culture, you know, the oldest culture in the world, you know, the ancestors of this world, the first first people to walk Australian lands, you know? So I was like, wow, that's some, that's some significant, you know, information. I've got that blood. I'm not a full blood or anything. You know, a lot of people look at me like I'm white and yeah, I am white, I'm Caucasian, but my mum's white, you know, but my dad's also, you know, same color as you, you know, brown, brown skin. And I think that's also another, um another conversation is racism as well like and people being delusional and uneducated on human race mm. one here we're all human we all bleed the same color you know we all we all eat we all poo like so on and so forth so i witnessed a lot of racism in my life as well so i want to i want to stand up for that yeah very interesting so you finished the mar- you finished the marathon you obviously had a great time in new york what was going on in those years before we get to Ninja? What was happening in, in that yeah. four-year gap for you? So basically, Robert DiCostella, the man, the legend, the icon, he's the founder of the Indigenous Marathon Foundation. He's an Australian marathon runner. He's broken records all around the world. He's very well known. and He began this project because he sees the, he sees the struggle within the culture. He sees the belief in it. Mm. He sees opportunity, you know, he sees a lot of heartbreak and he's very connected to this land. So not even being Aboriginal himself, I, I might just give him, you know, a big appreciation as well. You know, not being Aboriginal and, and being a part of something so beautiful. So <clears throat> he, uh, he created this, you know, he selects 12 people each year. He started in 2010. Mm. And this is the 10th year anniversary, actually. Wow. So I think I'm number 26 graduate. So I was number 26. There's up to 90, nearly to 100 graduates so far. Wow. Uh, and each person gets taken in as a family member of the IMP. And you get given a training program. You get given a nutrition program. You get, you get about 
four four training camps the as the year. So you go for the meetups and you know you do like the Gold Coast half marathon. You do the city to surf, fourteen k run to buy from the city to Bondi Beach in Sydney. Then you do a thirty k in Alice Springs. So you get given this massive itinerary for the year. So your life's about to level up. You're about mm-hmm. to go next level. So you get given all the tools, you get given all the mentoring, you get the support, you name it. So I was like, wow, this is got taken to the AIS, Australian wow. Institute of Sport in Canberra. So here we are at the Australian Institute of Sport where athletes are built. And I'm like, whoa, like I wanted to be an athlete, like I'm here. What the hell? What the <laughs> hell? This is hectic. You know, going into the gyms, going into the ice baths, the the saunas, the Bay Marie, buddy, all you can eat buffet. I'm just like, <laughs> we're living it up. We're living it up. <laughs> like, you know, but then also like going, this is surreal, like pinching myself, like what's going on? Mm. And then understanding the obligation and the responsibility of just going all in, as I said, and just went cold turkey off everything. Uh, the first camp was over, then it was just ET, brother, Eric the hip hop preacher eric thomas the hip-hop preacher in my ears make a decision i can i will i must so here i'm listening to et the hip-hop preacher my first discovery of a motivational speaker on youtube and then he was in my ears bro like day in day out every run six days a week i had to run one day off um i started to go to bed earlier i started to read books i started to make sacrifices to going to parties because uh, it was the year of my 21st, so all my mates were turning 21, so I had to really dig deep, you know, and hold my hold my stance and, you know, be strong. Because mm. a lot of my a lot of my people around me didn't really see the vision as well, but I was getting the support, but also just not respecting it. You know, a lot of drinking in front of me and all that. But I, I had to go through that, you know, to build that resilience. Mm. Uh, so yeah, just just went beast mode, man, beast mode. If you want to call it, call it something. That's amazing. That's that's what it was. Seven months, brother. Seven months went sober on everything. Just stopped drinking, stopped, you know, taking drugs, and just started to really zone in on, on this goal. That's amazing. So what happened after the marathon? So what 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 happened for you after the marathon? The high of everything. Yeah. So it was such a hype. You know, we got there. We'd done the marathon. Changed my life immediately. Mm. Uh, the 42 kilometer run was just grueling. It was, it was just so much emotion and anguish and effort and determination put into it. Mm. And once I finished it, like it was a dream, you know, the, the run was just a vivid dream as I remember it. And, you know, I went through a lot of hurt throughout it. Like, I, you know, hit the wall, you know, and that's, that's another a little barrier you break through when you hit the wall, you go through some hurt, man, it's your body's about to shut down, but it's more so understanding that mental drive and that your mind can push you through anything. So as I finished, I just nearly passed out, you know, in, in tears. And I believe, I believed at that moment that I believed anything was possible. Literally believe anything was possible in this world. So I just continued after that, man, I continued pressed through definitely went down into a bit of a ditch as well going off track again because the hype was so heavy but then i think the post achievement mentoring or guidance wasn't there and we're working on that now Mm. uh, in the project and i'm one of the mentors uh and advocates and spokespeople of the foundation to make sure that doesn't happen because it 
a big dip comes after you you make it a big achievement sometimes yeah so we went went through that went off track you know drinking again because i thought that was the only way i knew to celebrate was to drink so i did start drinking again and that taught me that it wasn't because i went in more of a slump Mm. then after you know not too long after that i left my hometown where i sort of had my teenage years so i left all the friends that were that i was enjoying those moments with so therefore i started to open up new avenues i moved to the wit sundays in in early beach you know i became wow. a uh, like a buggy attendant at at a resort so i was living on a paradise island and i discovered calisthenics man i discovered it like purely and i just done that every day as much as i ran and i, I remember dad doing calisthenics as, as i was growing up you know a lot of these mob a lot of these mob on instagram and stuff are doing it now but i was like boys i see my dad doing that when i was like in nappies 1992 <laughs> you know their old boys were doing that man and then i was just like that just re-sparked that flame and i discovered instagram I discovered Instagram and found out all the inspirational people on there. So I just went hand in hand with it, bro. Like my body just agreed with calisthenics and I just escalated day in, day out. Was there, was there like an outdoor gym or I'm assuming maybe in the, was there, I'm assuming a gym you could access or what were you doing? Like pull-ups and trees? No, I, I only had really access to a, to parallel bars and hmm. a chin-up bar. So it also started with like dips, push-ups, handstands and chin-ups. Yeah. Okay. That was like the beginning. That was the first chapter. So doing those basics, the fundamentals. Wow. So yeah. you just built up upon that. Uh, and how long were you at the Wit Sundays for? I was there for a year, one year, one year. And I, I discovered traveling at this time. So I wasn't making enough money on the Wit Sundays. And I was also getting influenced by nightclubs and stuff because the people living on the island, they just work and they party. Mm. So I was seeing if I think that experience was just trying to understand whether that was for me or not. Mm. Like I would party and I would, I would train, but then I was like, if I want to become like a, an athlete or if I want to become the best of the best, I can't be, I can't be partying, man. Like I just, I can't be training my ass off Monday to Friday and then splurging out Saturday, Sunday, I'm falling into like a, a little bit of a, a groove and a rut here. And mm. it's like, nah, mate, I've got to, got to man up. I've got to man up and, and live, live, live to my values. And what Eric Thomas says, you know, if you want to, if you want to breathe as bad as you want to succeed, you, then you'll be successful. And I took a lot of those affirmations on board and I moved out to, I moved out to the mines in my, my, uh, where my, all my family are in Mount Isa. So I started working in the mines to make some more money. Mm. So I could go traveling and discover the world. Wow. So yeah. you, went on, you went on a big trip before Ninja or what was going on? A right few before? big trips. Yeah, yeah, a few big trips, but a lot, um, probably a, a year before Ninja, maybe a year and a half. Uh, I went to, where did I go? Went to Europe, I've done a Europe trip, I've done a Europe trip with my brothers. Nice. So we ran with, ran with the bulls over there and we done a Croatia yacht adventure. Uh, went to the Greek islands as well. So that was more so bonding with my older brothers. Like I finally got to that age where I could connect with them and, you know, enjoy the fest, the brother festivities. So we went traveling and we really enjoyed the fruits of the world. And, uh, 
wow, what an experience the world is, man. There's a big world out there and there's some beautiful people to meet. And that, that, all, that also wrapped up. And then I think the traveling got put on hold for a little bit because I just, I ended up moving, when I got back from traveling, I moved down to the Gold Coast and discovered the coast life. Mm. And I'd never really seen that life. And then when I seen like the Gold Coast, Brisbane area, Sydney, I was like, wow, there's, there's stuff going on down here. So fast paced. I got introduced to that bigger city vibe. You know, yeah. I found some other hungry, hungry wolves that were chasing dreams every day, you know, on the Gold Coast in calisthenics. So I started to surround myself with other people that were on my level, on the frequency of training daily, relentlessly, mm. just turning up, man, turning up. And that was just bringing the best out of me straight up. That's awesome. I think that's the first step, isn't it? You have to remove yourself. Not so, you know, you don't want to say negative people because, you know, these people, you know, potentially your friends your whole life. But I think, you know, you always hit a, a road, a, a fork in the road and one's going to take you backwards and one's going to take you forwards. And if the one that takes you forwards means that you have to uh, eliminate or remove certain people, you know, who are not going to go down that road, then you're going to have to take it or else you ain't going to go anywhere. So that's exactly that. right and you just got to love them unconditionally anyway you know mm. oh, they're not at that stage yet in, your, in their lives and it's not your fault it's not their fault but all you no. can do is support them to to get through whatever they're going through uh some people can't be told either like that's simply it you've just got to you know say catch her like see you later like i'm this i'm in this for me if you want to come with me i'll support you if not, I'll still support you. Just I've got to do what I've got to do. A hundred percent. And how did you how did you discover the uh, applications for Ninja? Was it like me? Maybe I just saw the ad on TV. I was like, "Yep, okay." Three hours later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was actually on a job site at the time. I was on carpentry building the Commonwealth Games uh, accommodation in the Gold Coast, and wow, on my phone um, as usual, you know, hiding from the boss. <laughs> Uh, flicking through Facebook and, you know, come across an ad. Or no, my mate might have come across, he goes, brother, there's a Ninja Warrior coming to you. <clears throat> it's coming to Australia. What are your thoughts on that? I just said, show me straight away. And at that point, I was like escalating in my calisthenics, in my body weight, all the gymnastics. And I just filled it out right then and there, to be honest. Had you heard of it before? Like, have you, had you heard of the American or the Japanese or... I actually heard of it. Like I just heard of it and seen it on Instagram and whatnot. I never used to follow it like, you know, religiously, but I remember seeing it. Like I remember seeing like Jesse Graff videos getting around constantly, you know, that, that blonde girl that used to kill the course all the time. So I remember her and then I just started researching and watching more and more. Yeah. So obviously you, you, you know, you got on, uh, you got to prove, super exciting and what was that what was that like for you sort of you know being flown in uh you know obviously we're all meeting none of us know who we, who anyone is you know we're bringing they're bringing us in different times of the day you know into the into mascot and you know into that hotel hotel complex that they had near the uh near the train station what was going through your mind at the time hmm. if you remember yeah i mean it was all really exciting it was all really exciting stuff. I definitely remember that I was about to make history in something. 
I was like, wow, this is, this can be very, very like, this is, can be very, very massive in a milestone perspective of, of achieving my dreams of some sort, mm. but also very nervous and shy as well, just sort of making my way through, you know, considering that I was bloody wearing nothing but a pair of budgie smugglers. Like that was another thing on my, on my mind as well, you know, <laughs> but uh, that, that was also that whole purpose of that was also for a bigger reason and to break through some barriers and make a statement as well. So I believed in that, but, uh, I was confident, man. I was confident. I really was trained hard for it. I believed in myself, but uh, it just felt like a dream, you know, like it, everything's paid for food accommodation. You're like, this is like an excursion. You know, at the same time, meeting all these other hectic people from around around the world and around Australia. I'm like, wow, this is... But not understanding how big it was actually going to be. I was going to say, when you actually saw, when they took us through the course uh, run-through, did, did anything change your mind? Or, like, what was that like for you? I was like, holy crap. <laughs> holy. There's cameras, there's professional people standing up everywhere. We're doing interviews and... Wow, thinking, bringing me back to that moment, man, it's just like so much nerves too. Like the, the nerves that come to you standing on that, that platform, wow. The nerves and the happiness too. Wow. Such an experience, uh, bro. I know. I, I still think of that moment. It's, uh, I think the first season for me, I can't speak for anyone else, the first season was definitely more exhilarating um, I think, yeah, the second season was, was, you know, was good, like, but it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same, like tunnel vision, just pure adrenaline. I don't know. It was, it was, it's, it was, it was such a, such a, such a high. I, I really, it's hard to describe, um, you know, almost blacking out on the course as well. Like as you go to off course, like can't even remember, can you remember half of them? Um, Yes. You know what? It's actually because you're so focused too. Like you're just so focused. You're so, you're so centered, you know, everything's just, you're so in the moment. Like there's not many times in life when you're actually in the moment. Mm. And when you're in the moment, you're working at your highest potential. So that, that's something we strive for, man. And we should strive for daily is, is feelings like that. You know, whether it's in healthy competition or, just competition within the community or putting yourself to the test on a big, on a big workout, you mm. know, and just putting, because when you're at that, that start line, it's like, there's no bloody, there's no test runs. You don't get a trial. It's not like, okay, Kadeem go and we'll see what happens. It's like, no, Kadeem you're on in 10, nine. You're like, what? All right. <laughs> and the crowd's like screaming and yeah. And you're just like, whole like, there's no games here. This isn't a game. This isn't a dream. This is like legit life. It's Let's happening. Go. So you got, it's either, it's either go in with doubts and fears or go in like, I'm getting this done. I'm mm. doing this. All right. We're going to take a short break and hear from our sponsors. Looking to start training like a ninja warrior or take your training to the next level? Well, look no further than Aussie Grip. Aussie Grip provides superior training grips made from pure polyurethane with stainless steel hardware that is corrosion resistant. And they provide free domestic shipping. Aussie Grip are the leading innovators of training grips in Australia. 
If you are ready to become a Ninja Warrior, use the code KADIM10 for 10% off your next purchase using the link in the show notes. And which one are you going to choose? You, if you choose the, the doubts and fears, you're fooling straight up. Mm. You know what I mean? So that mindset's heavy too. And like some people call that a meditative state. You're in a meditative state because you're so in line, in tune with yourself. Mm. Uh, and you speak to a lot of ninjas, you know, they get really deep on it and they, they can't, it's hard for them to explain and articulate. I remember Jake Murray when I spoke to him. Um, yeah, he, 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 he was saying that, yeah, he, I think it was his first proper season and yeah, it was the same thing. He's just like, he was at the start line and everything just went into a tunnel and it was just like blacked uh, something like, I think that's what he was saying. Like, you know, everything was just, you could just see the course in front of him and then everything else was just gone and he just wow. went and I'm like, wow. And yeah, that's, the, that's the tunnel vision right there. Oh, amazing. So obviously season, season one for you was uh, an epic was an epic season for you. Um, yeah. yeah, season one. Yeah, that was that was the the official. That was the official. What um, you know, I think for you, what happened for you after season one, obviously, was was absolutely amazing. So, tell me, tell me what happened for you. So the moment it sort of you know hit you and everything started to explode. Yeah, that was the most hectic thing about it. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> like waking up the next day and then just every human on earth, well, not every human, but like most of the majority of Australia knew who I was, knew I was that indigenous guy with the ochre and the, the, the budgie smugglers. And, you know, being the first up the web, you know, I was the first up the wall. Um, I don't know how that was orchestrated, but you know, it happened. Yeah. I was the, the poster boy. I was the, the front, the front page I was the main man. And I was just like, I woke up and I was just like, holy, whoa, wow, what is going on here? And the Instagram was blowing up, the the Facebook was blowing up, it's just messages on messages. And I was just like, whoa, it was like overwhelming, hey, I was like, this is crazy. This is, can't be right. But I was, I was very, very grateful as well. At the same time, I stayed grounded as possible. I just sort of simmered in it, the feeling, the emotion, and took it on as a as a privilege and an honor. I feel. Um, I think I had to turn my phone off for a while, eh? To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was definitely what I had to do. Uh, yeah, man, you know, taking me back to that. It's it's hectic, bro. They they seen they seen. Um, they seen a vision, you know. They seen an opportunity with me they used you know myself as a lot of the promoting as well as of what i was wearing and how i held myself and my personality so i must admit and give myself a bit of credit for being authentic believing in myself and going on with a pure heart as a lot of ninjas out there sort of change their demeanor and change their personalities to try and fit a description mm. so being myself really really showcased you know, authenticity in a way where you don't have to try and be anyone else. Um, you know, I could have went on there and tried to act totally different and boasted and so on and so forth, but I stayed true, bruh, stayed true. And look where it got me. Oh, hundred percent. That's definitely the Australian way. Like, you know, people would, people would see through 
we mm. see through that and you know and we know through like you know through the facebook and through the comments you know people don't hold back either so oh <laughs> they ruthless. are savage they're ruthless savage world, man as you said yeah well uh so what what for you so you know what were you doing so you, you were doing carpentry at that time during during ninja yeah and then everything exploded so where was then that pivot where, where was that moment or change where you know suddenly you now you know doing public speaking and school, like where was that what, what happened in that moment where, where, where it changed mm, pretty much uh, pretty much close to immediately bruss wow yeah just pulled the pin straight away and just got got a manager immediately got contacted by many people that wanted to represent me and i was like wow what is even what is this what is happening <laughs> yeah who, who are these people that want to take me for coffee and for lunch and fly me places like what's what's this all about you know then just speaking to my mentors family members cousins um and then they're just saying yep this is it like this is what happens when you when you reach a level in life and you know you get to a point where people see your abilities and your capabilities and your wisdom or knowledge or skill set or whatever it is <clears throat> you start to take big, bigger projects on you start to take a bigger responsibility so i started to meet with these people and then i started personal training as well so i started to take personal training classes at ampm in the gold coast mm -hmm. so in the calisthenics and natural fundamental movement industry and at that point like i got my management and then i had to i was doing one-on-ones and group classes and i was like this isn't even for me either yeah. i like working with people and i like um teaching people how to be healthy and exercise how to exercise and look after their well-being <clears throat> but uh i started to get a, a fire inside me where i wanted to like work with bigger like bigger crowds and more people and impact at such a bigger level. Mm. So I manifested some schools into my life. Like I got a school mm. straight away. I went out to Mount Isa and done a high school, done a keynote speech and a presentation for the school. And I had to right then and there when I was in the gym teaching someone, like after that little hour session, I was like, well, I've got to, I've got to write down what I'm going to present to this class because I've <laughs> got to, got to got to fly out in two weeks to this, to do a presentation and, and be a, to be a speaker for the day at this school. So mm. I wrote down on a whiteboard, pretty much like me from a child through to that point, mm. all of it in detail of what I experienced, you know, throughout those years and try to break it down into dot points so I could share what my life was like up until Ninja Warrior in a way where I can inspire and tell a story and be a storyteller. And it come pushed, come to shove. And before I knew it, I was sitting in front of 300 ch children, teenagers, and, you know, a bit of a tough crowd, you know, they are as well, those teenagers, mm. as I was too, but I killed it, bruh. <laughs> I just found myself at home. I felt at home. That's awesome. Well, was that more nerve wracking than doing the course or? It is. It actually, it's, it's up there. It's definitely up there. Speaking, trying to speak about your life and get a message across to hundreds of people is, is tougher than you think, but it's, it's quite simple at the same time. 
because all you gotta do is be yourself. Like, that's it. They either love you or hate you. And if you can tell a story and try and share without being too bold and too direct and being more open mm. and understanding where you're not trying to tell people what to do, you're just highlighting where your experiences and what went right for you, what went wrong for you, what worked for you. So it was also navigating around that delivery. And that's what I learned as the years come on and months come on. And the more people I, I spoke to, the more people I shared. And uh, I found that I was just, I'd picture myself just talking to me. Mm. Treat myself how I want to be treated. And also just picture that I was chatting to my friends or family or myself. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I, when did we speak after? I think, yeah, the, the, well, we spoke during the filming and then I don't think we spoke again for like a year and a bit. It was crazy. Just obviously you were just running around jet setting. Um, oh, hold on. Sorry. Phone just uh, went off. Um, so after season, so we hit season two, great season. Uh, another great season for you. What happened for you in season three? Were you feeling any different going into it or, or um, was the obstacles maybe more intimidating or were you feeling just as good? To be honest with you, I think it was just uh, disrespected the course, disrespected the focus, cruise control mm. um, in fairyland a little bit. Uh, but I'll also mention the first two seasons, like my career picked up as well. So my focus wasn't on the course. It was more focused on the purpose of my goal and my value, which was inspiring people. So I sort of lost, it was a catch 22, you know, in a yeah. sense, I just like I still trained, but I wasn't training specifically or I wasn't training as directly for the course. Uh, to be the Australian Ninja Warrior. It was like, I'll train to my to my extent of what I can for now. And I'm going to still hit all of these communities and all of these schools as I go through the year. Um, you know, obviously I've got to live as well. And I think that's where it was. I just wasn't too involved in the competing mindset. Mm. That's it, right? That's it. And that's what, that's where I splashed out in, in the second obstacle. I'm pretty sure it was on season three. So that sort of taught me that as well, bruh. I can't really go into anything half-hearted. Mm. If I want something, I've got to go all in and, and and show the respect that I want it. Did you feel like, I don't know, you you failed yourself or failed Australia at all? Or how, like, how, like obviously anyone's disappointed when you, when, when, when we go in early or when we stuff something up, but how, how did you, how did you uh, take that? Oh yeah, it was heavy, man. It was it was heavy. It was unexpected, but trials and tribulations, brother. You know, you got to get put through the adversity and the, and the struggle. And true champions shall express that. You know, mm -hmm. in in a state of defeat or victory, you know, you got to make sure you hold yourself and you speak from the heart and you stay true, not because of your feelings or emotions. And you take things, you know, you take things with with humbleness mm. and um, that's basically how I did. But, you know, deep down inside, it was also a feeling of like, 
wow, fuck, I, let, I let people down. You know, I had a lot of support. I had so many fans and people behind me, you know, that expected much more. But what's most important is, is how you deal with it at the time uh, and how you bounce back from that. So I was actually, I feel honored and privileged to experience that, to be, um, to be quite pure with you. Mm. You know, obviously I wanted to be there. I wanted to get through the, the heat. I wanted to make it to the grand final and all that sort of stuff. But like, if I want to live this life and be the best I can be, give me all the, the challenges, give me all of them. I want all of them. I want the adversities. I want to be struggling. I want to be nearly crying. I want to feel alone. I want to know what it feels like so I can appreciate what it feels like to be at the top and work for it. I want to work for it too. I want to put in the hard yards. I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm bleeding, bro. I'm, I'm shedding tears for, for that, for that spot. Mm. I don't want to give it to me either. So I felt like it was just a challenge. It was a challenge I was faced with, you know, from a higher source or universe or whatever you want to call it. You know, it's just some people are, are selected. Some people are given certain challenges to go through. So now understanding like some books I've read through, some successful people I've, I've followed you know, throughout my life and listening to my intuition, listening to my gut and my heart, that their lessons and their opportunities. Mm. You know what I mean? So that's what I took it as. Oh, 100%. Well, I guess probably one of your biggest trials was was yet to come. I mean, fast forward uh, pre-season four, Matt, you went through a pretty traumatic uh, experience, man. Do you want to tell, yeah. me, tell, me tell me about what happened with that? Uh, yeah, well, February 16th, 2020. Yeah. Yeah, broke my back. <laughs> broke my back, man. One month, one month out from my redemption to competing on season four, oh, I was at the highest of my peaks, bringing it back all the way, trained my ass off. I was fully focused this time. And um, yeah, doing my antics, jumping off cliffs into water, doing flips and having fun and being a child just didn't turn out the way I wanted it to turn out and landed incorrectly and, and fractured, compression fractured to my L3 vertebrae in my lower, lower lumbar spine. So, yeah, bud, at that point, I knew I, knew I was faced with another, another challenge just Man. as I got to my peak again, the, the fight back, the climb. Oh, that's crazy. I was worried because you, you sort of just, your Instagram just stopped. You know, you're very active and it just stopped. I was like, oh, this is odd. I was like, you notice it pretty quickly and then you hadn't posted anything. I was like, yeah, I hope he's okay. Like, I hope he just hasn't been like, I don't know, like, you know, kidnapped or something in his travels. <laughs> <laughs> you, would, you would think that too, eh? <laughs> well, when, when, well, you know, you're very active on, uh, on Instagram yeah, yeah. and then you just, it just stops. It's like, well, what, what are you going to think? Okay, well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true, man. Like, that's true. So I was like, damn, I better give this guy a call. Because, you know, you said, oh, yeah, man, we'll, we'll train together. Yeah. I, was, I thought you'd be back in Melbourne. Well, that was the plan. That was, was the plan. Yeah, yeah. For a week or two, and then I was actually going to fly to Melbourne to train with the Melbourne crew, to train with yourself as we spoke. So you know, I understand where you're coming from, man, because I did completely just fall off the face of the planet. Uh, yeah. And I suppose that's the next, the next conversation is why I done that. 
I mean, that was what my intuition told me. Uh, I had a lot of, I've heard a lot of things go on with traumatic experiences, big injuries of where they take the wrong advice. They, they do what the doctors say. They go on the prescribed drugs. They have surgeries. I was lucky enough to understand a few things beforehand. I followed Dr. Joe Dispenza and his journey and he's broken his back, but in many different ways than I have. Uh, but I, I had his, had his experiences guiding me. So I disregarded what the doctors said. I went internally. I healed it through my own uh, intuition, my, my energy and through meditation and just rest as well. And what, went through my mind my feelings and emotions uh, and I felt when I needed to do this I needed to do this alone and I understand that letting people know when you go through something is very crucial but what's also crucial is what people what energies and feelings and emotions people put on you in the in these points of time of healing and dark places uh, I wanted to feel strong I wanted to feel empowered I wanted to feel <clears throat> a high a high energy of healing. So I just thought to myself, all I want to hear is my own voice. So every day I just be like, I'm healing. Wake, wake up. Let's go. Let's do this. You can do this. Um, let's go champ, you know, closing my eyes, going in turn. I was literally inside my body, like fusing my bone together. Like that's how in tune wow. I was getting. And I understand the power of meditation and the power of stillness and being calm and being within nature and, focusing on good eating and fasting, like fasting the body of food that's not necessary, you know, letting the, the, the healing of my body and the energies generate and heal, like do what it does best. We're the most, we're the most bloody intelligent, creative creatures on the planet, man. Like these bodies, we have a machines. We can basically do anything like, it's, it's unbelievable. And I was meditating like three hours a day, man. So I wanted to really, I wanted to actually make the course, to be honest. Mm. I wanted to make the course, which was a month out. I know I was op being optimistic, but I wanted to be in that mindset. And I think that has a lot to do with how I healed so quickly. So I was in Bali as well, man, which was a very traumatic experience. Like being, I was on an island when this happened. I had to climb out of a, I had to climb the cliff to get out, not to mention with, with the broken back, not, not, not certain on what I'd done. I had to ride a scooter for one hour to get to the hospital. Like when you think of it, it sounds like a horror movie, bud. It's, I'm just glad you're alive, man. I remember, I, I remember you saying, I'm glad you confided in me when I called you, I was in the US. I'm like, bro, I didn't see you. Like, yeah, man, I, I broke up. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, man, I was, yeah, that I'm glad you're okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm just glad I'm okay. I'm glad I didn't get any nerve damage. I'm glad that I don't have any permanent issues. Uh, it's awakened me to the understanding of this one vessel we have in this human experience. We've got um, this one life. We may have many other lives, but I'm not ready to find out just yet. Hey, I want to live this one through first mm. and learn as much as I can. So I'm just grateful for that. And it's given me the tools, man. It's given me the tools. It's, it's equipped me for this journey I'm on, uh, this, this role that I take, helping people throughout life, mentoring people, guiding people. So I think when you got bigger, some people that got bigger dreams and ambition, 
you're, you got you get given the hardest challenges. So I'm I'm grateful for that, Bryce. hundred oh, percent. So I missed that on season four. I mean, that's okay. You were healing. Um, you know, are you? On, I mean, we're hoping this is season five. I think um, they haven't obviously announced anything to do with auditions or anything, but I think there's some uh, contract uh, things that need to be sorted out. But uh, are you on track to compete in season five? Oh hell yeah, bro! Hell yeah! Straight up, you know, straight up. This year was unbelievable. This year they brought the heat. You know, big love to Benny Paulson, the brother there, uh, taking it out and, and fulfilling his goals and dreams and being the first and the only, uh, not the only, the first ever to, to win, to be the fastest up the course. And just, you know, the other boys as well for making it that far. You know, um, Zaki and, and, and the golfer, the brother. Charlie, yeah. Charlie, Charlie Robbins, mate. Inspirations, inspirations and boys. Uh, you know, uh, gone through trials and tribulations themselves, you know. Mm. They all got a story to tell them, boys. Um, and they really showed it out on the course, bruh. They, they killed it. Wow, the, the, the talent this year and the skill this year, holy, wow. People have been grinding, mate. People have been grinding. And that's inspiring, man. That's inspiring. And I admire each and every one of them. Um, soldiers that stand up on that course because the, the ninja community is so close. Everyone's just so deadly. Everyone's so friendly. There's, there's just no ego out there. And it's just all fun and games, man. That's it's all it, fun man. and games. And I'm um, season five coming for you. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this, man. What a, what a vibe. It's going to be awesome to get back on that course, bro. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm i uh, I'm unsure as to where I'll be. Uh, I think it depends on depends on a few things. Um, depends on the travel situation. Um, also, yourself, man, you were about to achieve something pretty big, man. Yeah, I was. Uh, have, you shared, have you shared any of that information with the world? Yeah, I think I've shared it probably <laughs> too many times. Actually, <laughs> I feel like every podcast I'm talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still bitter. <laughs> no. Oh, bro, it's just 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 setting you up for the. For the next one, bruh. So this just you've been given a peace of mind. You've been given some time up your sleeve to work on some, you know, maybe some weaknesses. Just stay ready, bruh. Stay ready. Keep going. No, that's it. I was actually pretty ill um, just before we competed. Not with COVID, just I think just from traveling and lack of sleep and so much training. I was and I was probably at my worst the day we were meant to compete. So it actually probably a good thing. I still was going to, but I was I was not good, man. I I was barely barely alive <laughs> so now yeah well there you go you didn't want to compete in that state this that state did you it wasn't idea. i was going to and i was i was prepared i was like i didn't come all this way to you know to bitch it now but um it wasn't it wasn't ideal so i'm a little bit grateful on that end um but i mean it is what it is man i mean the whole world's been affected you know, you've been affected i've been affected so i can't exactly complain about something that's you know taken out the whole world no, huh? no exactly so. it's, it's out of our hands bro it's out of our hands and that's why there's a it's a big shift happening in the world right now there's a big collective conscious shift everyone's in limbo everyone's a little bit in fear some people are staying true some people are, uh, are doubling down on the positivity and i think that's what we have to do is just with this outweigh this negative vibe that's going on i know people are sick there's a lot of people out there going through all sorts of shit but we got to mm. remember we're all in this together 
That's it, man. Togetherness, togetherness, no divide. Let's just, whatever, man, let's just be there for each other. Stay positive. Let's keep sharing health and well-being because if it's sickness, that's killing, killing people. We need to be healthy. So start eating healthier, everyone. Start getting some sunlight. Start breathing in some fresh air. Start setting some goals, being better. 100%. And what's, uh, what's next for you, obviously? Um, you know, I don't think you're in quarantine. So what's, um, what's, what's on the horizon at the moment for uh, Jack Wilson? At the moment, I'm just really delving deeper into this healing journey and discovery of myself. I'm constantly staying to rituals every day. I'm back training, bruh. So Mm. you wouldn't believe I broke my back, to be honest. Like I've healed that quick. The the healing journey and the bouncing back has been just absolutely just bloody substantial, man. It's been huge. Been going for leaps and bounds. And it was because of all the focus and the respect I gave it and also the healing mechanisms that that I put in place. A lot of fasting a lot of meditation, a lot of cold plunging, a lot of uh, hot plunging, infrared sauna, just just doubled down and went beast mode on, on lifestyle rituals mm. and decisions, healing my gut, uh, reproducing new cells in the body, you know, getting more in tune with, with myself and my spirit. You know, that's definitely foreign in this day and age because it's a material world. Don't mm. forget that you have a soul and a spirit out there. Uh, getting more in touch with my culture and my my didgeridoo playing, you know, and just exercising my spirit, bruh. Training yeah. daily, walking, stretching, mobility. Uh, so I'm just focusing a lot still on those rituals and bouncing back, getting my strength back on the bars, on the rings, the gymnastic rings, doing a lot of running. I'm, I'm back running heaps. So just just activating that that champ within I oh, mean, that's it, man. I mean, your, your recovery is like insane. I'm sure you've had people who have, you know, said, oh, you didn't break your back. Sure you did, blah, 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 blah. I mean. Oh, there'd be people out there, man, but I don't hear that shit, you know. I don't no. hear that shit. No. I know what I've done. I know what I've, what, what I believe in and what I experienced. And my, my vision now is those people that do say that is to help them going through whatever they're going through because they're, they seem a little bit clouded on, on whatever else is going through. So mm. I just want to help people, man. That's, that's my value. That's my, that's my option. I'd like to take in life is to be a service to other people and whatever I can do, whether that's through health, whether that's through nutrition, movement, mm. um, mindset, um, trauma, PTSD, whatever that is, man, like it's just all about communication. Let's, let's change your, change your mind and change your life and change your habits Everyone deserves to be happy, man. Oh, 100%, man. I've got some questions from some people who have uh, who've asked. Um, oh. First one, uh, it says, what does your look represent? I'm guessing they mean your look on the course. That's what I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, beautiful. That's a great question. Thank you for that. My look on the course with the indigenous Aboriginal flagged budgie smugglers, uh, the black, yellow, and red, They re- firstly, they represent the... Uh, Indigenous people of Australia. Um, my father's Aboriginal, so I've got a very strong uh, love for my culture. So I wanted to represent my culture. The black represents the people. The yellow represents the sun, and the the red represent the earth, the colour of the sand, the red dust here in in Australia, the outback. That's that's the home. That's our soil. That's our heart. 
and the ochre, the white ochre on my skin, that is, that is also from the land. You can find that in like uh, water streams, in burrows, in creeks, uh, wet wetlands. It's it's like a clay, so it's it's used in in ceremony. It's used in communities where they do song lines and dance. Mm. So it's a it's like a, it's like the blood of our mother of Mother Earth, and they put that on. That's like very very powerful you know there's a very big connection there so that that's definitely my look on the show guys mm, no, very very unique very strong look um what is your another one what is your biggest strength and weakness when I think it says when doing ninja my biggest strength doing ninja warrior is believing in myself just got to believe and be myself so when I'm out there, if I want to smile, if I want to be have a straight face, like I won't hold that back. If I want to smile, I love looking at the crowd and smiling. Mm. That's like one of my things. I draw the inspiration by doing that. Uh, I know it's it's bit me in the bum a few times. I've you know been a bit too caught up with, with all the hype, and you know I learn from that. But uh, mm. at the same time, if I like doing it, like I, I want to do it too. Um, so that's also one of my weaknesses as well you know, at the same time is where if I'm not focusing on the course and what's at hand, I can also come unstuck and have a slip or be, you know, lose my focus. So mm. that's a strength and a weakness for me, I must admit. But I'll also admit one of my strengths is doing the shaker leg, the dance up on the, <laughs> up on the, <laughs> up on the, uh, the podium. I'll do it right now. <laughs> so this dance is very significant to Australia and Aboriginal people. It's called the shaker leg. So if I hit the buzzer, go up. Jack Wilson's going up, he's hit the buzzer. Yeah, yeah. I do the shaker leg. Ay, 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 ay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like a uh, very, a very profound dance in, in indigenous culture as well, doing animal movements. You can do the kangaroo, you can do the emu like that. Uh, you can do like a goanna, like this. So there's many different animals that you can mimic and imitate. But uh, that's one of my strengths. I like that one. Man, that's some strong shaky leg. You're going to get you shaking the leg, bro. That's some mad, mad wobbles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's a good one. This one I've actually always been curious about. I've never been able to work this one out. How do you breathe in through the nose while still playing the didgeridoo? I've never, Ooh. I've never understood that personally. Hey, um, it took me a long time. It took me a long. I was just saying if I had the didgeridoo here. Um, how do I do it? Is that what it says? Yeah, like how do you how do you breathe through your nose while still? So playing? you've got to go like, you got to go. <laughs> so you're, you're you're taking a breath in. And yeah, so my mouth breath. is full. Yeah, my mouth is full. Like, yeah, and when I breathe out, breathe out, and push through with a with a mouth full of air. Mm. As I as I push through a bit harder, I breathe a bit through my nose. So I go. Yeah. Okay. And when I push through, and my mouth is full of air. And I push through, it pushes enough air through the didgeridoo for me to breathe through my nose and it doesn't make a, like it a doesn't, 
make a divide or a break in the sound because there's air blowing through. Mm. Wow, that's yeah. that's crazy. I mean, such a, it's such, a, such a unique sound. It's such, um, and obviously, uh, you know, you don't have to just be indigenous to to learn. Obviously, Fred Freddie loves his didgeridoo. Um, yeah. No, it's definitely for everyone, brother. But like our women, they say our women uh, shouldn't play the didgeridoo. That is one of the laws. Okay. Interesting. Sorry, we just had a break in the connection. So I just had to edit out uh, about two minutes of uh, sort of dead dead noise and not much happening. So uh, all is good. And uh, here's the rest of the show. Jack. Hi. I lost you, bro. I feel like... But you teleported. Yeah, the, the um, <laughs> the phone went dead, brother. That was doing a hotspot, bro. Ah, okay, okay. But I'm back on now. I'm sweet. All good. All good. I'll uh, I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Sorry, bro. Oh, you disappoint me, bro. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 um. Yeah, man, that was. I think that was the that was the last question, and and then uh, <laughs> last thing for my friend uh, Kai. Uh, I met him in uh, in Texas uh, when I was there. He says GVC all day. <laughs> oh yes, my brother, my brother, GVC man, that's that's beautiful, man. See the uh, good vibes, Kai, brother. It's 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 within all of us, man. We all want to spread them good that good energy, eh? No, man, it's it's uh, it's everywhere. Man, I think I've uh, run out of questions, man. But uh, I, I appreciate you coming on. It was long overdue. Um, man, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, all good, bro. All good, man. It's good to hear your voice. Good to see your your cute face. You know, I just, just want to squeeze that little face there. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've, we've shared some good times, brother. Let's, let's, uh, let's keep in contact, eh? Let's keep no, in contact. Let's keep running, man. 100%. Thank you for listening to today's episode on the Way of the Ninja podcast. If you would like to be kept in the loop, please subscribe today. If you would like to help support the podcast and help us grow, please consider becoming a Patreon member today. There is a link in the show notes or else you can go directly to our Instagram page at 52 ninja